Hello and welcome to the August 21st, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. And this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. everybody. Welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It's great to have everybody here with me this evening, and of course it is awesome to be out there with you. And I could not stress enough how important this podcast is for me, how much I need my audience for this particular podcast, how much this podcast will serve as therapy for Mr. Joe. And I'll do it in a way that hopefully I can convey some interesting information, some good feedback, some positive information, some uh, good advice, probably a little bit of bad advice, um, but probably something that everybody out there can relate to. Um, And I don't want to sound selfish, but I have to say that I am equally excited tonight to feel better about myself as I am, as making my audience feel better. And what I mean by that is normally when I do these podcasts, the only thing I really care about is making you guys feel better making you feel like you're a part of my world, me be a part of your world, um, educate you, speak to you directly, give you something to, whether you fall asleep to it, whether you drive in your car and listen to it, whether you just sit on the couch and play it, whatever it may be, I, I do this for you. And tonight, this is for both of us because I need it desperately. So we certainly have quite a bit to talk about, and I guess we'll start with um, how I'm feeling, and how I'm feeling is based upon several things. Obviously, the things that are going on in my life, uh, the worry and the uncertainty I have about the future, which we are going to get very in-depth about tonight. Um, and believe it or not, Mr. Joe's birthday was yesterday. I turned 43 years old. And I can say for the first time that I can recall, I spent my birthday in a state of mind that was unacceptable. Unacceptable for my children, unacceptable for my wife, and unacceptable for my own state of mind, my own well-being. Now, don't get me wrong. I have been sad before for my birthday. I've been isolated before. It's interesting because I don't know if it's a bipolar thing. But basically, my entire life, I've never wanted anything for my birthday. And I don't mean gifts. I don't mean presents. I'm not referring to that. I wanted to be left alone. I always said to myself, it's my birthday. So if it's my birthday, aren't I entitled to do or get what I want? Isn't that the whole idea of a birthday and 
my entire life, it's always, well, can't I just be left alone and sit in a room by myself? And, and that's what I always wanted. And I have to tell you, there was a big part of Mr. Joe yesterday that wanted exactly just that. Now, I was forced on Sunday to spend the day with my wife's family and my children and celebrate my birthday along with my sister-in-law's husband. I would imagine I call my brother-in-law now. I don't know. I don't know how that works. It was his birthday on the 17th, my birthday obviously on the 20th. And while I say I was forced, I will say this. I enjoyed myself. I really did. It was the day before my birthday. And I was able to make it through. And I had a huge event on. I'm, for those of you who haven't heard before on my past podcast, I'm a very big wrestling fan. And on Sunday, it happened to be a very big event called SummerSlam. And I geared up all day to watch that. And I was able to watch it. And I actually stayed awake rather late. Um, and, I, and I enjoyed it. So I had something to look forward to. And then I woke up on August 20th, 2018 for my birthday. Not only did the worry set in even deeper into my heart, into my mind, into my soul, but Mr. Joe was not just sad. Mr. Joe was absolutely, utterly depressed. And I don't know if that it was normal that I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, is it normal for anybody or everybody or even those without bipolar disorder to get a little depressed on their birthday? Because I will say this, I was not a little depressed. I was very depressed. I wasn't depressed about being old. I didn't even think about the age that I was. None of that even crossed my mind. Now, I will say this. Thank goodness I was able to make it out to a hibachi dinner. That has been a tradition that myself and my family have done, I believe, for the last six or seven years. My wife, my two kids, and now, of course, my third little guy. Um, this would be his first one. And while we were there, I, I pushed my feelings aside, and I was able to put a smile on my face and function pretty well, and I actually kind of enjoyed myself, but I will say this. The majority of the day, I was completely, utterly anxious and depressed, and uh, I don't really know how I got past it, but that's something we're going to talk about a little later on in this podcast, because it's interesting how there are certain things that we think we can't get through, but yet we get through them when we think about them later on. So while I didn't think there was any way I was going to be able to survive yesterday, here I am today, and I'm able to podcast about it. Now, here's what's the scariest of all. I had um, multiple instances yesterday in which I thought about suicide. And that, to me, my friends, in my opinion, is not normal. It's not a normal feeling that somebody without bipolar disorder is going to engage in. Again, if you don't have bipolar disorder, if you don't have a mental illness, by all means, eh, I get a little depressed about my age, I'm getting old. Maybe some, some of those things are the things that would cross a person's mind. Suicide, though? No. No, absolutely not. Suicide. And the interesting thing about the suicidal thoughts were they were all related to the future. 
all related to the uncertainty of the future and my inability to contend or cope with the fact that I don't know what the future brings or is going to bring. Now, in addition to all that, what didn't help was my wife and I had a pretty big argument in the morning about who else? Mr. Joe's mom. (laughs) And here's the sad reality of the situation. My parents called me in the morning to wish me a happy birthday and I talked with them and they said, "Um, you know, are you interested in going out to dinner? We would love to take you out. I said, you know what, I'll get back to you because I knew I had to talk with my wife because at this point, my wife is not ready to see my mother and I've explained that already. So, instead of coming out and just saying it, what does Mr. Joe do? He kind of mopes around, looks for attention, waits to be asked what is wrong, you know, because that's what we do. That's what we do. That's how we cope with problems and feelings. At least that's how the way Mr. Joe does it sometimes. Unless I'm manic and then I come right out and say it. But instead I moped around and I waited and I said, I'm really torn because my parents want to take us out. And I know you don't want to go and I don't want to hurt you and you're 100% right in feeling the way that you do. But I kind of want to go because I want to see my parents. So... I'm in a really bad way. And my wife explained to me, which ultimately I finally understood, and at the time I did not, because when you're in a state of mind, and we'll call it a bipolar state of mind, as you all know, logical conversation that comes from another person usually for us goes in one ear and out the other. And that was the situation yesterday. And all my wife was trying to explain to me was, you are my husband... I'm going to support you. I'm not even saying that I don't want to go. I'm just saying that we need to sit down after today and have a very serious conversation with your mother about all the things that we expect of her, which we've told her a million times, but the results of what's going to happen if she behaves in a way that is unacceptable to my wife. And again, I spoke about it last time in my podcast that I will disappear, but I'll always come back. We're going to make it relatively known to my mother that there's no coming back for my wife. And there's a few other things that are going to be mentioned, such as drinking. She could drink on her own time. I refuse to have it around myself and my children. I'm a recovering alcoholic, so it's probably something that's going to prevent her from wanting to see me a little bit because she's always wanting to drink. So my wife cried a lot through this, and mainly because I just argued with her, and I didn't listen to a single word she said, and all I did was yell and scream and say, I'm caught in the middle, and this is my birthday, and I can't believe that I'm being put in this position, never listening to a single word. Ultimately, my wife having to go out for a couple of hours to work, leaving me up with the task of calling my parents and telling them that we would be going to Hibachi and They're more than welcome to join us, and we would love for them to take us out to dinner. So that was the end result. So what happens? My wife goes out to work. Mr. Joe picks up the phone, calls Mr. Joe's mom and dad's house. Ring, ring, ring. Answering machine. Hello, mom, dad. You know, we're going. We need to make reservations. Please give me a call back. Just want to make sure, check in, and make sure that you're going. No call back. 
Ten minutes later, Mr. Joe calls again. Answering machine, same thing. Ten minutes later, Mr. Joe writes an email with the hopes that maybe my dad is checking his email. No response. Finally, I say, well, what am I doing here? I got my dad's cell phone. Call my dad's cell phone, ring, ring, ring. No response. Voicemail, Mr. Joe reiterates everything that's going on. Listen, guys, if I don't hear from you by 2 o'clock, I got to make reservations. And I'll just see you again another time. Now, old Mr. Bipolar Joe, who was unmedicated, would have already presumed the worst and said, you son of a B-I-T-C-H, I can't believe that you're not answering. How dare you do this to me on my birthday? But instead I had the, the, the right mind as depressed and miserable as I was, which, by the way, all of this was very difficult for me to do. When you're depressed and you have absolutely no energy, it took every ounce of energy for Mr. Joe to make these phone calls, even down to making the reservation. I said to myself, I'm not going to be able to make this reservation. I can't even dial this phone. But I did it. So, uh, after I left that message, I say about 15 minutes, 20 minutes later, my phone rings and it's my mother. And I pick up. She says to me, Mr. Joe, where are you? What are you doing? We've been waiting for you. And I said, what are you talking about? I just called. She said, well, we were in a store, and maybe I just didn't get it. And I said, okay, well, I called the house. I called the cell phone. said, we all going out to dinner. So, you know, this is the time. This is the place. We would love to have you. And then all of a sudden, the crying begins on my mother's end. Like, uh, today is not a good day for me. I just don't feel up to it, especially after going to this store. I'm so physically drained. Please don't be upset with me. Now listen, in the morning when they called, I could tell that already that they were hungover. You know, after, after so many years, you know as their son or as their relative or as their whatever it is, you know when somebody's feeling the effects of a rough night. So I knew it. But I was shocked to hear that they still wanted to go out to dinner. Well, I guess as the day went on and they realized that they were incapable of presenting themselves in a presentable way, she said that she was physically unable to see me. And we all know that that meant she was mentally unstable. So all that fighting with my wife, and what is the end result? No parents, no dinner, no nothing. But I went out, went out with my three beautiful children, my beautiful wife, and we had a nice time. And after dinner, I have to say, I kind of felt better when we got home. I wasn't as anxious. I wasn't suicidal anymore. It's kind of, I had that distraction. Um, And I did okay. I think a big part of my birthday was the fact that Because it was my birthday and because I had my children with me and my family wanting to be with me for my birthday and I was so distracted by the thoughts of the future and the tasks that I had that had to be put on hold, it caused a lot of anxiety for me. So I suffered from a tremendous amount of anxiety, tremendous amount of depression on my birthday. And I will say that most of it has passed as of today. And I've been able to accomplish um, a little bit of what I had to do. Well, I shouldn't say a little bit, a lot of what I had 
do. The only other thing that I really have pending at this point is I have to do an expense and um, a profit loss sheet for my wife in regards to our health insurance. So that remains something that is really, really on my mind. The good news is that I do not have to take the health insurance that I was offered from my employer, my former employer, um, and pay $2,000 a month. I can continue to try to get this through the state, but I can waive the medical insurance and keep the dental, which was great, and the vision, which was great. So I plan on doing that, waiving the medical, because I cannot afford $2,000 a month, and keeping the dental and keeping the vision, which is, you know, not too bad. I think it was $86 a month for the dental, and it's great dental. And you know what? It gives me peace of mind. Um, And the vision, I think, was $15 a month, and I definitely need that because my daughter and I went to uh, get a contact lens exam, and what would have probably cost us $200 a piece only cost us 65 And we were able to get a six-month supply of contact lenses and an exam and a fitting, and it all worked out well. So I really need that, especially with Mr. Joe and my two older children, absolutely, completely blind. As a matter of fact, my older kids are worse than me. It's very sad. They're, all of our eyesight is, is, is horrifying. So we need that. And then I will continue to work on getting um, health insurance through the state. But, you know, I did speak to my accountant, and my main concern is this. I have to claim a certain amount of money at the end of the year. And if I make too much, all of this, quote-unquote, free health insurance for my kids... Well, it's not going to be free at the end of the year. I'm going to pay a lot of money. I'm going to owe a lot of money. So I really don't know how any of this works. I really don't. But the most important thing right now is I don't have an income. So at least I know I am qualifying for it come September. So I'm legitimately not going to get paid probably until around October. And, you know, at that point in time, by the time we get to the end of the year... We'll see where I stand. I really don't know. For argument's sake, for all I know, I could get enough work, which, by the way, I am filling up my caseload like crazy, even though I can't start working yet because I haven't had the clearance. Uh, for all I know, I may, may be able to afford $2,000 a month um, based on my income. And I don't have to worry about the state. The problem is I have to accept that COBRA, which is what it's called, by October, and I don't know where we're going to stand by October, so I have a feeling we're going to be forced into the state insurance, and then ultimately it's going to hurt us at the end of the year. I don't know. Here I am again, worrying about the future. Constantly worrying about the future. Here's another thing that really got me upset today. One of the companies that I will be working for, who actually offered me a straight-up 20-hour-a-week work week for independent contracting at a, at a very high rate per hour, which basically takes care of half my caseload. Then another agency offered me, just to start, 10 hours a week in the afternoon. So I got my mornings all set, I got my late afternoons all set, and in between I could sprinkle a little bit in. So right now I'm looking at 30 hours of independent contracting work 
which is ultimately a lot of money. Uh, so, but listen, I still worry because I say, well, it's going to fall through. It's going to fall through. In my head, I say it's going to fall through. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why. One of the things that upset me is one of the companies, where the, all the companies require an annual physical. And I had mine in December, so I'm not due again till December. So right now I'm in compliance. And I send the physical over. And on the physical, it has my past medical history. So I decided to black out bipolar disorder because it's none of their business. Well, they call me back and they say, we can't accept this because there's a part blackened out. Now, if I know the law, or I don't know, if I know the way it works, I do not have to disclose that I have bipolar disorder. An annual physical is just that. It's... How am I doing for this past year? Am I healthy? Did I pass the physical? Do I have my PPD? And that's it. I don't see any reason why I should have to report on surgeries in the past. and I, I just don't know. But you know what? I didn't argue with them, which is going to make it even worse. Because now when the, the full physical comes through without the blackened out parts... They're going to look right at the part where it was blackened out and say, oh, that's why he didn't want to send it. Because he's got bipolar disorder. So here I am already thinking that all this work that they're giving me, they're going to take it away because I have now exposed the fact that I have bipolar disorder. And by God, do I have bipolar disorder. Ah. <sighs> You know, this worrying that I've been doing, constantly worrying about the future. I understand that there was a life-altering experience that took place. Do you know how many times we've lost our jobs with bipolar disorder? This time around, I, w I felt like I was set. I felt like I had a place to retire from. I felt like I never had to worry again. And then it gets ripped away from you. And all of a sudden, you feel like you have to worry again. And... Here's the interesting thing about worrying, and I, 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 I sat down before I got onto this podcast, and I thought of a way to say this, and I guess the best way to say it is, we cannot predict the future. There is no way, and I keep trying to tell myself that, that we can't predict the future, but yet no matter how much I tell myself that, I still come up with all of the horrible things that are going to happen to me. All of the horrible things that are going to take place that are not even within my control right now because they haven't happened yet. And we, I believe, man, whether we have bipolar disorder or not, probably those of us with bipolar disorder go through this a little bit more drastically than those that do not have a mental illness, but... We tend to forget how we were able to deal with past problems. It's amazing how we could sit here and worry about the future, worry about what's going to happen, worry about the health insurance that I'm not going to have, worry about one of my children or my wife being ill and not having health insurance, worried about money, worried about my mental health which is something that I haven't worried about 
in a in a pretty long time in terms of this extent. And what I mean by that is, I feel like I'm going to have a nervous breakdown again. And I'm thinking of that in my future. What happens when I do have a nervous breakdown? Am I going to lose everything that I gained? If I gain it? I mean, that's how sick my brain has been. If I am to gain all the things that I need to gain in order to be successful and support my family, am I still going to have a nervous breakdown and lose it all and have to restart it all again? And you don't even want to know the other things that I think about, which all tend to go towards my ex-wife and her losing the home that's under my name that I've so desperately tried to get out of my name because now she won't be able to pay the child support because she uh, the mortgage because she doesn't have child support and now my family here my 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 wife and my son my beautiful little guy you know we're going to lose this house because we can't pay the mortgage it's just an absolute disaster but uh, one of the other things, or the thing that I said to myself, other than the fact that we can't pre- predict the future, is that we tend to forget how difficult we had it in the past. We almost like don't even review that in our minds. We just sit and we worry and we worry and we worry. And you know, I'll say this. I mean, and this might sound silly, but and you know, obviously, a lot of this. These thoughts might have gone on or these situations might have gone on when you were a little bit younger, but I like to address my entire audience because I'm sure that there are people that are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, possibly their teens, 20s, and 30s listening to this podcast. So I think about this. I I say to myself, remember when we were going to school for the very first time and we could have even been crying. I remember going to kindergarten and I actually remember crying. And if you think about it, I made it through that day, and I'm here today. I could think about the past, and I could think about how it actually makes my heart sink a little bit to think of how I cried and how nervous I was on that particular day getting on the bus. As a matter of fact, I even think about one of the days where I was on the bus in kindergarten, and I was, it was interesting because they would drop you off in front of your home on a big, big bus, and I was last to go home and I kept saying to the bus driver remember I'm five years old now and I remember this I have to pee I have to pee well I couldn't hold it and I urinated in my pants on the bus and (laughs) when the bus stopped in front of my house it was kind of gross you could actually see (laughs) all the you know the bus stops and all the urine kind of flowed up to the front because he put the brakes on and I still remember my mom climbing onto the bus and the bus driver telling her and her hugging me and taking me off of the bus saying my poor baby or whatever whatever she said I don't remember exactly obviously that detailed but I remember that like it was yesterday and I certainly remember going to school the first time and I was nervous and I cried I remember going to college for the first time as excited as I was I was going into a different part of let's say the world, different part of the United States, because that's where Mr. Joe lives, in the United States. I've never told you that, I don't think. I probably did, but if you haven't guessed it by now, I live in the United States, and this is one messed up country, that's for sure. That's a whole nother topic. Um, but I remember, even though it was only, I think, three, four hour trip, 
maybe a little bit long, longer from Mr. Joe's neighborhood. I was worried about going to college for the first time. I was afraid. My parents were worried. But I made it that day also. And I made the decision to go to college. And I was able to get through it. And that's why I'm here today. Hey, in college, how many times have I talked about the horrible anxiety, the horrible panic disorder, the horrible, horrible panic attacks that I suffered for a period of nine months? Think about it. It was horrifying. I never thought from one day to the next that I would get through it. I never thought that I would even be able to live through it. But here I am today. Think about relationships in the past. Remember when you were in that relationship that you thought you would die without your girlfriend or your boyfriend? You won't have a life after this. Oh, I'm going to lose them. I'm not going to have a life. It's going to ruin my life. But guess what? We survived that also, right? We made it through that too. Think about the first job. I think about my interviews. Um, I thought I was going to pass out. Especially when my last one, when I was coming off Suboxone, I said for sure, and I still remember breathing in my car before I went in, doing exercises, breathing in through the mouth, or the breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. I did that ten times to try and ease my anxiety before I went in. So even my first jobs that I got when I was a shoe salesman <laughs> back when I was 16 and I was a cashier and I remember having to count out money and I still remember my first day on those jobs when I was 15 and 16 and I remember how frightened I was, how scared I was, but guess what? I made it through. And I would think that there are billions and billions of people on this world that are worried about their future. And those people who are worried, just like me, you know, they take action and they still work just as hard. But if we decide that we can't take action and no, we can't get through this and we can't make it, could you imagine the situation that we would put us in? So uh, think about that for a second. You know, all these people that are worried, and, and, and that applies to myself. I'm worried about my future, but I'm doing things. I'm doing things to better myself. I'm working towards it. I'm scared to death while I'm doing it. And while I'm doing it at all, I'm thinking about the horrible things that might take place if, if it doesn't work out. But could you imagine if I decided not to take any action, didn't do anything at all? You tell me the end result. I would probably be right on in terms of predicting my future. Or at least I'd be pretty damn close. Uh, you know, even the environment, nature, the sun, the moon, everybody's worried about their own existence to some extent. And those people, they don't stop working. Think about nature. The nature that surrounds us. Nature is never still. I mean, we can't predict the lifetime of a plant growing out in my driveway. I don't know when it's going to stop growing. I bet you that plant, 
is also worried. <laughs> but it didn't stop growing. I know that sounds a little cliche, but it's almost like, you know, I'm comparing us to a plant. A plant is a living thing. That plant is worried, but it still grows. We're worried, but we have to continue to grow. And there's absolutely no way, and here's where I'm going to give some advice, and I say this to my audience, and I hope that I could take my own advice. I really, really do. Um, I mean, none of us could be 100% sure of the success that we're going to have. I thought for damn sure that I was going to have this success forever. I thought that I was retiring from my job, but I certainly wasn't right. So even then, I guess I'm going to look back in this and say, I made it through this as well. But, you know, none of us could be 100% sure of our success. We can't be 100% sure that the decisions that we make are going to be the correct one. We can't be 100% sure of the situations that we're going to be in, the growth of ourselves and our family, the future, the friendships that we're going to develop, the friendships that we're going to lose over time. I mean, really, we just have no other choice and recognize the fact that we're never going to be 100% sure. And as much as it's as difficult as it may be for Mr. Joe and maybe many of you out there, we have to have a positive mindset and take action to make our dreams a reality. And when I say dreams, I'm not talking about walking into your local store and buying a lotto ticket and, uh, you know, it would be nice being a millionaire, I guess, although I'm pretty certain that money does not buy happiness at all. Because if I could recall, there were many, many times in my life where I was making plenty of money and I was probably the most miserable I ever was in my life. Man, I was making a ton of money at one time in my life and I still climbed right up on that ladder put a rope around my neck and hung from a beam in my garage and I was making a fortune. So, you know, money certainly doesn't buy everything but our dreams could be simple. Our dreams could be, for me, my dream right now is to get to a place where I feel secure for the time being and knowing that my family is provided for and safe and medically covered and that I could just live day by day and not worry anymore. That's my dream, is to stop worrying. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to get involved in things that might affect some of my listeners out there who have been through probably some devastating things in their lives. I guarantee somebody who is listening to this podcast has had a child pass away child possibly die at birth, maybe at a different age, a young two-year-old, 10-year-old, 13-year-old. I mean, that's horrible. Nobody can predict that. Nobody. We don't even think along those lines. I know I don't, although I shouldn't say that because there have been times in my life where I get so... I mean, here, my little guy, he's got a rash on his arm. The two little bumps. You had to see me today like a like an absolute, utter, complete wackadoo googling 
bumps on arm that are white and don't have redness. I mean, could you imagine? And the crap that I was coming up with. I mean, I had my little baby, 16 months old, diagnosed with 55 different skin rashes by the time I was done. You know, and little do I know, or little do I... I have no understanding of what it's like like to lose a child. I can't even imagine. We certainly can't predict that. I would think that's probably one of the hardest things in the world. And i got to tell you, I sit here and say if I was to lose one of my children, I don't know how I would move forward. But I can almost guarantee as hard as it would be, we would have no other choice because either we have other members of our family that we have to be there for, and that doesn't take away the pain and the fact that we'll think about that child every single day. But we'd still have to move forward, take calculated steps, take actions sufficiently and sophisticated. That's that's a word. (laughs) I don't know where I came up with that one. Mr. Joe comes up with some crazy words sometimes. Sophisticated, sufficient steps forward and hope for good. Have desires. Have desires in life and not necessarily expectations. Because when we have expectations, they may not come true. Just work. And what I mean by work is not only work and make money, just do the work. Do the work for your mind. Do the work for your body. Do what is needed to be done. That's the only solution that we have. Because our minds, and especially our bipolar minds, our sick, wackadoo, demented, bipolar minds, and please don't take offense to that. When I say that, I'm not calling us sick and demented. Um, I'm just being... Jokeful, if that's a word. I don't think any of you are sick and demented. I think that some of our actions could be a little bit out there. <laughs> but us, us bipolar people, we have minds that will keep bombarding us and bombarding us with negative thoughts. But please, please, please don't let it stop you from taking actions, taking actions that will allow you to have a good future, a future that you can't predict, but a future that you're going to get through if it becomes a bad future, and you'll walk out on top eventually. I mean, if you're worried and not taking actions for your future, I mean, really, are we being fair to ourselves? I don't think we're being fair to ourselves. So I say take action every day. Do one thing which is necessary for your dreams. I wish I could take that advice. I'm saying this, and this is where that first statement or first introductory statement that I made, that Mr. Joe is doing this just as much for himself as for his audience because I'm trying to convince myself and I'm trying to do this together, that... I mean, every single day we got to do something that's necessary to make our dreams come true. 
I mean, I, I would imagine that doing those things are what is go, what's going to make us positive and less worried about our future. Make a plan, stick to the plan, write it down if you have to. I started to realize that it eased my anxiety quite a bit when I started doing to-do lists because I was so overwhelmed. Fax this, scan this, send this, email this, fill out this, call this person. I, I, I'm, I was ready to lose my mind. Absolutely ready to lose my mind, but I started making a to-do list and it felt good to cross it out. And if you have to, define the steps in your to-do list. Define goals for every day, not just if you lost your job. Okay, With bipolar disorder, we have to define goals every single day of our life. And those goals might just be something as simple as, today, I'm going to get out of bed and... I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> I mean, depending on the state of mind we're in. Today, I'm going to get up and I'm going to call somebody. Today, I'm going to get up and I'm going to cook instead of ordering out. Today, I'm going to fill out an application. Today, I'm going to search for a job. Obviously, there are different levels, but all of them are goals. Now, for me, my goals every day are the necessary steps that I have to take in order to get employed. And each and every one of them I hate. I know hate is a very strong word, but I hate them. I hate doing all of it. I hated filling out a W-4 today. I hated doing a uh, W-9. I hated filling out my um, emergency contacts. I said, I can't believe I'm doing all this again. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm, I'm supposed to be employed for the rest of my life. But no. I predicted my future incorrectly, and that is what ultimately let me down harder than anything could have ever let me down in my life because I assumed I was going to be somewhere for the rest of my life. I predicted my future, and when my future or my present became different than what I thought was to be, it was even more of a letdown. And I understand this might be difficult to follow. I understand I might be a little bit all over the place. But if you could remember some of these suggestions, if you can make a plan, if you can define the steps, define the goals for each and every day, especially those with bipolar disorder, define those goals then you will realize that that's exactly what your dreams require from you. If you are living with a mental illness, and I, I need you to continue to work hard because it doesn't get any easier, that's for sure. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness or a drug addiction, please continue to support that person in the best way that you know how. And if you are struggling with a mental illness right now, please continue to battle, continue to fight, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I'll see you again real soon.